politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen who refuse to be subjects of the state, COVID fascism and transhumanism. This is a special day, not in a good way, here at CR Podcast. Daniel Horowitz, your host back in the house today for the 316 anniversary. Daniel, what's 316? Well, therein lies the problem. 316 was our internal 9-11, except 3,000 people didn't die. Probably in America, close to 2 million people died from everything they did, and tens of millions, hundreds of millions throughout the world, and it's still going on. The life, liberty, control, surveillance, creation of viruses, blocking of treatment, creation of bioweapon vaccines... 316, 15 days to flatten the curve. It's the day we should have all realized the rise of the Fourth Reich, but we didn't at the time. We should know it now. But so few know it now. I was just watching Governor DeSantis's press conference talking about this. Literally, the only governor doing this, the only senator doing this, there's no senator except for Ron Johnson doing it. It, it, it doesn't exist. Yesterday, the FDA announces... More booster shots for kids doesn't exist. This is the dog that never barked. You didn't have hijacked planes, spectacular images of skyscrapers falling. It was very subtle. It was a press conference. And to this day, it's very subtle. And that's the question. Is it enough? Or does it have to get worse for people to realize it on this anniversary It was the day that we should have all understood that our government is willing, ready, and capable to do to us what we thought our external enemies planned in the wake of 9-11. This total state, uninhibited warfare against its own people. There is nothing they won't do to us, whether it's our food, money, fuel, health, body, country, culture, borders, there is nothing they won't purposely do to achieve their agenda. And that's what we're going to commemorate today, looking at some, just some of the damage in in the wake of this that is still going on, the damage from what they did, and then the actions they are still doing and the damage yet to come. We'll have Ed Dowd on, our resident expert, on insurance data, disability data, quantifying the deaths and injury from these shots. But first, very apropos today, our sponsor is Jace Medical. Um, University of Utah's Health Drug Information Service, by the way, has been tracking drug shortages. They've been seeing drug shortages with several medications. And the chief pharmacy officer, Aaron Fox, recently said, we're in a really frustrating situation right now where patients may be going to the pharmacy counter and not being able to fill their prescriptions. Again, this is a legacy, one of the many, 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 many fiscal and social, physical and social and social and mental and fiscal ramifications of that day on March 16th. But Jay's case has you covered. 
Jay's case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. You could use them by filling out a simple online form at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. And you get a you know licensed physician to fill out a prescription. And then you'll have access when your case comes in the mail shortly afterwards. Mine came just a few days later. Um, you will have you know, doxycycline, amoxicillin, things like azithromycin, so you don't have to worry if you need it uh, in a pinch for an infection and you don't have it available because of the Fourth Reich. You should empower yourself and your family to take care of yourself during a crisis that we're in. Use promo code REVIEW at checkout to get a special discount. Again, jacemedical.com. Folks, we were told in the wake of 9-11, that our world and indeed our lives changed immutably and that we couldn't live in a pre-9-11 mindset. Remember that? So we had to deploy our military everywhere and referee every Islamic civil war because otherwise you, you weren't down for the times. Well, the stigma, what it really needs to be, is that the time, this time, it's actually true, our lives really changed and we can't live with a pre-316 mindset. And that means not understanding that whatever you thought Al-Qaeda, Iran, North Korea, and, and China itself is a problem, our federal government is the biggest problem. The woke corporate medical world they created to mimic their image is a bigger problem. The degree of biomedical tyranny. Imagine if you wake up one day, or at least over the course of two years, and Al-Qaeda kills two million people from a virus and a vaccine and a lockdown. Life and liberty like that. Imagine the commemorations we would be making on that day, and yet people don't even know it exists. That's how amazing the subtlety of the rise of the Fourth Reich is. So I need you guys again to send to your doctor, to send to your legislator, to send to Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Rise of the Fourth Reich. Purchase your copy, an extra copy. If you haven't, please give us a five-star review so you know we get this rejuvenated. Not a single cable news show on a single network, large or small, has invited Steve or myself on to discuss this book, even though it is earth-shattering. And to this day, again... Ron DeSantis is holding a press conference, has all this legislation proposed. Trump is not even marking it. And, and by the way, Steve is off the air the next two days, but Steve made an important point this morning. So Trump, as late as 2021, was bragging about how his lockdown saved millions of lives, even after Democrats moved on from it. So why isn't he holding an event today celebrating what he did? And then, of course, the death shots to this day, he celebrates. To this day, he will not speak out against um, even the baby shots. And by the way, I just remember this morning, <clears throat> um, if you want to look it up, there's a New York Times article, January 2022. So this is a year after the shots were out. Their failure and, and uh, safety problems were known uh, abundantly at that point, you know, time and again for months beforehand, Trump was shaming governors for not divulging their booster status. Do you remember that? 
And I think that's when he first perceived that maybe DeSantis would run for president. And he was like, how dare he say he didn't get the booster shot? You know what? I wonder if Trump truly did. I wonder if he actually truly got it because he wouldn't be so energetic. Then again, maybe he suffered neurological damage from it and not physical damage. But here's the real important lesson of the day. It would, let's say COVID was done over COVID fascism, the surveillance state, the biomedical experimentation state, security state, gain of function state was all over, 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 you know, done and we had legal protections against it, political policy protections against it, medical protections against it, it would still be worthy of commemorating this day for the carnage that was done. And yet, we're just getting started. And this is my biggest lesson. My focus today is not so much retrospectively, but in the here and now where things stand and where we're headed, and what needs to be done. My article today commemorating the three-year anniversary was all prospective. The 10 most important pieces of legislation, it's out of Conservative Review, it's a top article there. The 10 bombshell bills to put COVID fascism in the grave. You know, and, and again, it's hard to pick the 10 best. There's a lot of them throughout the country, but I tried to do it. Pick the 10 best bills that you could look up that need to be mimicked in every state. Who else is doing this? This is the important thing. You're going to find in the presidential election a lot of debates. Well, Ron DeSantis didn't fully fight every aspect of Trump pressuring him to lock down those first few days. Or he, did, he, he thought the vaccines were decent. On January 1st, 2021, when they just came out. Well, yeah, there was not a single elected official that had the leverage, knowledge, or anything to realize our government was poisoning us. But the reality is, in in late 2021, it's now going on almost a year and a half, the Florida Department of Health has stopped promoting it and, and is now putting out information. Uh, Latipo said today at the press conference, it has a terrible safety profile. Nobody should be getting this anymore. No other governor is doing that. It, it's not – look, you know, you want people that are ahead of the curve right away, and, and certainly you could tell he was never comfortable with the lockdowns and quickly got ahead of it and fought the localities. That's the key. There's like eight states that technically didn't write a statewide order, but they allowed all the corporations and the localities to do it. So it was the same reality. In other words, in Iowa and Nebraska, you had the same reality in March, April – as you did in Florida. The difference is that, you know, in May, June, July, August, he did battle with the localities headed into the new school year where the others didn't. And he never looked back. And then obviously with the vaccine, it's a little bit more complicated because you have to understand if you go back to that time, unless you were a Lynn Finn, a Merrill Nass, that understood, you know, Dr. Merrill Nass, we've had her on before, that understood the biowarfare. I didn't understand that before. So at the time, it was viewed, we were suffering masks and lockdowns. So that was viewed as a way out of it. Now, certainly they didn't want to mandate it, but you would say, hey, look, this is great. We'll make it available for seniors, which in Florida, they focus mainly on seniors. That's not the point. The point is once you started realizing it, I didn't know it at the time. I, I caught on very soon. I watched it in January, February, because it was very technical. I wanted to be careful. Remember, it was a double-edged sword because, you know, you don't want to play into the hands of lockdown. It was more like, oh, you have a vaccine, so 
There's no excuse for everything else you're doing. And then in March, we started to do a show on it and had guests on. But here we are, 24 months after that, and there's almost no Republican who's speaking out against this. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. No impetus to do anything about this. And by the way, one of the big, um, tying into our sponsors today, one of the big things we suffered from at the time was hair loss. Um, it has something to do with the androgen that bald people seem to do with, worse with COVID. And then a lot of people lost their hair from COVID. It's really bad. Um, and remember, that that's important to commemorate. It's not that, oh, the virus was nothing and we shouldn't have had a lockdown in the vaccine. It's worse than that. They created the virus and blocked the treatment, and, and that's all part of it, and they're creating new viruses. But anyway, I want to introduce to you a new sponsor, Nutrafol. N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. Okay? A lot of people are suffering hair loss now. A lot of people have it in their genes. Thankfully, I don't, so I can't say I've used the product. But what I, what I like about it is that it's drug-free, okay? They, they utilize a natural medical-grade uh, botanicals in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. It's the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement. Really, within a couple of months, you begin growing back your hair. This is real. You, could, you, know, you can't miss it. It's not you know, a subtle thing on efficacy, um, uh, they, uh, Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics. It multi-targets the root causes, the root causes scientifically of the thinning, that inc- including stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, aging, and lifestyle through whole body health. Um, in a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement really within three to six months. And Nutrafol is also trusted, recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors, um, this is really where it's at. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com slash men. Yes, we know what men are. Um, and entering promo code CR to save $15 off your first month's subscription. That is the best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. So again, it's it's a monthly, so you don't have to worry about you know running out of your dosages. It's a monthly package automatically comes when you sign up. Um, plus free shipping, by the way, with every order. So again, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Nutrafol.com slash men, M-E-N, promo code C-R, free shipping plus $15 off to get your hair back. Pretty good deal there. Um, again, just before we bring on Ed, in line with this point of the lesson of the day is not so much the day. You know, this is a new thing. None of us dealt with it before. It's okay to have been scared. But it's in retrospect what they did day after day, week after week, month after month, and to this day. I mean, DeSantis pointed out they're still blocking Novak Djokovic from coming into the country to this day. Meaning it's not just the next iteration, which they're certainly working on, but even the current ones, a lot of it is not is not done with. That retrospectively reveals that March 16th was the rise of the Fourth Reich. I'm going to read to you a little bit from the opening argument that Steve and I wrote in the book. All things equal, one could chalk up the triple axis of evil. 
the lockdowns, masks, and shots to ignorance, panic, and carelessness. However, there are two factors that demonstrate the global powers behind this travesty in government and the medical-industrial complex acted with malfeasance and willful intent to destroy human life. And I'll focus mainly on the first one. Um, the second one is the denial of treatment for it. The perpetuation of these policies long after they were incontestably proven anywhere from harmful to ineffective. The so, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on that first factor, namely the duration and perpetuation of these human experimentations well beyond when any reasonable person would have aborted them. Even if one believes that locking people down, shuttering schools, and forcibly masking human breathing is a necessary evil, they will eventually recognize that these policies are indeed a form of evil, even if they believe they are hopefully temporarily necessary. As such, even if they believe they had the moral and legal right to institute these policies initially, okay? And we pointed this out on our very first shows this time in March 2020, they would have enacted them in the least restrictive manner, for the shortest period of time necessary and would have immediately rescinded them the minute there was a suspicion they were ineffective and or damaging. Instead, the leaders in politics and medicine doubled and tripled down on these demonic policies for months and in some realms, even years on end to the, the very days this was being written. Long after it was clear that masks absolutely did not affect the epidemiological outcome of the virus in any part of the world, they continued to forcibly mask two-year-olds, deny medical care to people with disabilities who couldn't wear a mask, and prevent rape victims who couldn't have their mouths covered from living a normal life. Kids were forcibly masked for eight hours a day in most parts of the country for nearly two years, assuming they even had in-person learning for much of that period of time. Nowhere is this malfeasance a long-term and inexcusable disregard for human rights, basic science, and sane risk-benefit analysis, along with a refusal to change course, regardless of the new information, more evident than with the tragic human experiment of closing schools. Like with all the other policies, there was nothing immutable about the decision to close schools for months and years on end. It was a forgivable sin to shut down the schools for a week or two in the face of the immediate panic. But the facts were clear from nearly the first few weeks that children were not at elevated risk from this virus beyond the typical risks they assume every day. After just a few weeks, it became incontrovertibly clear that the school closures had no bearings on the trajectory of the pandemic, induces a calamitous mental health crisis, and inhibited the learning development of a generation of civilization. Within the first months of lockdown, and I wrote about this at the time, data from Iceland, UK, Austria, Australia, Switzerland, Canada, Netherlands, France, and Taiwan, and I have it all uh, footnoted, showed that children were, were responsible for little to none of the transmission to adults. And I go on and on and on and on. And that's the thesis of the rise of the Fourth Reich. It wasn't stupid. It wasn't even the typical never let a crisis go to waste to you know impose tyranny and control on your agenda. It was willfully done and it was a pandemic, because again, if it was stupid, you would have woken up to it. To this day, they're doing it. To this day, they have no problem with it. To this day, their position is when rates are above a certain level, you have to wear a mask. You always have to do it in a hospital. I'm saying even before you get to the shots, even on 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 some of that stuff, the travel bans and the and the masks, they're still doing it. And then obviously, no person could think that 
babies need shots. And, and even if you don't know everything we know, just the V-safe and VAERS data on the shots, that is genocidal. It's right in front of our eyes. It's as spectacular, in fact, more spectacular than buildings falling to the ground with planes in them. But it, but it's, it has that subtlety to it. That's the question. Is it bad enough? Do we need more beatings that are more severe? I don't know if this is accurate, but there's a YouGov poll, and I don't think this is true in the U.S. if it's true in the U.K., but of uh, uh, 71% of, of Britons still think the government's handling of COVID was about right. And some believe it wasn't strict enough. Only 19% say it was too strict. I guess it's got to get worse. And that's the question. This is about what's happening now. Stopping the mRNA now. Stopping the biomedical surveillance state and mandate state now. Stopping the gain of function state now. Exploring the entire premise of all vaccination and where it's coming from, where it's headed, and the legal structure behind getting this in every body from the minute you're born, defying what we typically do, which is targeted therapy in medicine. It's not okay. And how this ties into transhumanism. You know, they're working on this pandemic treaty, although... Don't call it a treaty because I think the international health regulations, the IHR, the amendments that they're making are even worse. They're voting on that in May. I'm not so worried about the WHO. I'm worried about our own government. It's a reflection of what our own government and the global governments are headed to. Why are they creating us? They say openly because we're entering an era of pandemics. Well, why? I thought it's once every hundred years. No, they created it and they're creating more and they will choke off your treatment. This would be the equivalent if on 9-11 you had the government stationed outside the trade towers. Because remember, most people did get out. The overwhelming majority, pretty much every single person below the impact line, got out. Imagine if they would have blocked the, the exits. Rather than having firefighters facilitate, very amazingly, um, uh, unbelievably. You know, we, we thought when those towers fell that you'd have like 10,000, 15,000 dead. Turned out to be like 2,500 or so in the towers that were dead. They literally got out almost every last person. So even after they did this with COVID, we could have evacuated almost every person from dying from it. From day one, and especially that original strain before it was juiced up with the viral immune escape of the vaccines, low-dose ivermectin was able to do it. We had people like Dr. Rajter, the pulmonologist in Fort Lauderdale, that I believe it was March 31st, had, had a patient on, on, on a ventilator, and they were going to pull the plug. And his wife thought of one, one last thing, because she was Brazilian, she's also a pulmonologist, and um, they, they remembered ivermectin, they used it. He's the first person I know to use it, maybe there's others. And the guy like turned around. That, that, that's what I've, and it was a low dose too. That's what ivermectin did in the original strain. You would have gotten people over it. You would have natural immunity done. And you wouldn't have had any of the effects of lockdowns, trauma, and then certainly 
what we're dealing with to this day with the vaccines. And that's what I want to get to with our guest. This interview is sponsored by Diverse Management Solutions. Liberty Estate Plans from our buddy Andre Ong, our own Missouri Liberty Strike Force leader. Um, he is an estate planner. You know, I've been doing my taxes recently, going through my finances because I don't have time to follow things, but everything going on financially has struck me like, what do I do? Bonds, treasuries, money markets, what, what mutual funds, what, what are you supposed to do? It's very daunting. And certainly if you're planning your estate to protect it for your children from collections, pro- avoid probate, um, and give give you control now to pass it down to your children. Um, you need help at libertyestateplans.com. You could schedule a free consultation. Um, give Andre a call. Uh, you, you have the contact information there at libertyestateplans.com. Tell him Daniel sent you, and he'll give you 20% off. You could talk politics with him. It, he's one of our own. He's also an ordained minister. What what a terrific family. Again, Andre and Angela Onger are Missouri state leaders, but also generous enough to sponsor this program. So if uh, everyone needs this, and I, I, you know, I studied finance and I used to be really good at this, but I don't have time to keep up on the market because I have to monitor politics. So I'm like totally at a loss with this stuff. Um, just so hard to keep on top of my money. It just sits there. And then you're like, darn, I just sat in my money market and didn't invest it. They'll prepare everything for you, walk you through the whole process of estate planning, even be there to make changes when you need it. And again, if you already have a estate plan you're happy with, they could audit it. Free consultation, libertyestateplans.com. Again, tell them Daniel sent you for 20% off. So one of the things we've been doing, obviously, throughout the last two years is, is quantifying the shocking numbers that we're seeing in terms of death and injury. And I, I would have, wouldn't have known this, but it really is amazing that if you control all information dissemination, you control the government, control corporations, it is shocking how much death and destruction you could hide in, in, a, in a country of 330 million, a world of 8 billion. Um, I used to think like, wow, how is it in the old days they didn't know about this or it took so long for news to travel. And, and here we are two years into this, a little bit more than two years into at least the um, clot shot portion of the COVID genocide. And and the numbers are just shocking. And and one innovator in this that that came onto the scene and, and, and really, you know, as we mark this grim commemoration, there is something to celebrate the few people that did come out and, and you know, whether they were in the medical industry or in this case, the financial industry and dissented from the party line are real heroes. And and it really was one of the pleasurable parts of this otherwise terrible era, um, becoming friends with so many great patriots that are smart, that have courage. And, and one of them was Ed Dowd. He's a former BlackRock manager who used his knowledge and skill in finance and data to start providing us with with uh, interesting perspective of how to quantify and discover the injury through insurance data, um, through the financial system, and you know we had him on when he was small. Now now he's become a big boy. He's on Tucker and everything, um, but he still remembered me. And he's the author of a new important book, Cause Unknown: The Epidemic of Suddenly of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022, and. 
you know, I would argue it's continuing even now. You could follow him at Dowd Edward on Twitter, at Edward Dowd in reverse on Getter. He also has an important website with, you know, we're not going to have time to get to all of his data today, but financetechnologies.com. You could just Google it, and finance is P-H, cleverly spelled P-H instead of F, so financetechnologies.com. Hey, Ed, it's been way too long. Congratulations on your book, and thank you for joining us today. Good to be back, and I obviously follow you and your work and your book, uh, The Rise of the Fourth Reich. I mean, this is – unfortunately, let's, let's just frame this properly. You said something interesting at the beginning of this segment. Uh, censorship uh, has killed people, and the people responsible for this censorship need to be held to account because if this information was able to get out, we would have ended this a long time ago. And my mere appearance on the scene is ridiculous, and you take – when I take myself out of the equation egoically, I shouldn't even be here. This should have been stopped in January, February of 2021. There were safety signals, much like the swine flu in 1976, with just 25 deaths, and they pulled it. And here we are with people dying, disabled, and chronically ill. It's, it's a disaster, and people need to be held to account. So obviously this audience is very much up on you know, the top lines, and we've gone through it a lot. But you have a lot of unique data, and you're working on it particularly from a workforce labor perspective because everyone's talking about the economy, which in itself is still suffering from the effects of the lockdowns and the money pumping and the fiscal stimulus and all that stuff. But then there's the vaccine uh, element of the vaccine damage to the economy, and obviously economy is secondary to human life. Could you talk about some of the projects you're working on, some of the top line numbers that that you think are important to share? Sure. So, you know, we started tracking excess deaths. Uh, so we've got that pretty much nailed down. Uh, we started tracking U.S. disabilities through the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we've shown that there's definitely a, 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 a major relationship between vaccine uptake and new disabilities, especially amongst the employed not those who are unemployed, but the employed, which is usually uh, absolutely the other way around. Employed people are much healthier. And then uh, we're working on more data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's absence rate data and work time loss data. And we're going to also uh, put out what we call the vaccine damage report, and we're going to try to put some uh, economic uh, numbers on this, uh, actual dollar amounts of the damage that's been caused by the vaccines to the economy. So could you quantify some of that for us in terms of the numbers and the timing of absence rates and workplace losses um, that hint to, well, I mean, there's two ways to have that. You could have missing human beings that are in the grave, and then you could have, you know, what we talk about is it's tragic, but this is also still a live fire drill to get the proper recognition and treatment because there's still tons of people suffering. Yeah, t- lots of people don't even know that they've been injured by the vaccine. And I hear, you know, anecdote after anecdote of uh, someone that's in the know, like you and I, hearing of loved ones that can't make the connection between their sudden illness or disability and the vaccine. And they go to the doctors and the doctors say, gee, we don't know what this is. So, you know, th- this is a this is tragic in that. People can be helped, but because of the censorship, they're not. And, and just to give a little preview of this report we're going to put out, the work time uh, uh, lost 
it, it's, it's pretty steady, and it was declining over time. So from 2002 to 2019, it was steadily declining as, uh, you know, people were uh, doing pretty well at, at, at keeping themselves, uh, those employed at least, keeping themselves healthy and, and not missing work. Then uh, in, in 2021, it started ticking up. And in 2022, it went even higher. So the work time lost uh, is 11 standard deviations above the prior trend line. I'll, and let me say that again, 11 standard deviations. Could you explain that, that in str- layman's terms? So, so, you know, there's something called a normal distribution of bell curve. And in Wall Street, when something is three standard deviations above normal, that happens 0.03% of the time. Let me say that again, 0.03% of the time. So it's a strong signal that something's changed yeah. uh, from trend. So In other words, it's not just 11, a trend of aging population that's consistent. People on welfare don't want to work. You know, the welfare is always growing, things like that, that are, you know, you know, babies are, fewer babies are being born because of the culture. Those are trends, but they're steady trends. Steady trends that are very easy to predict and quantify. That's why we have uh, insurance companies that make a living off of analyzing these trends. Things go uh, 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 bat SHIT crazy when things like 11 standard deviation events occur. And so three is crazy. 11 is strong signal. And it all started occurring right around the vaccination uptakes. So basically, we have three buckets of people now. We have the the dead from these sudden deaths, we have, which is we've clearly uh, talked about, and that information's everywhere. We have the disabled, which is primarily focused on the employed. Of the 3.2 million uh, new uh, disabled Americans since 2021, from a base of about 30 uh, million, uh, 1.7 million are employed. Okay, so there you go. So the employed are getting hit. The employed are getting hit because of vaccines and mandates. Now we're analyzing the chronically ill, those who are still showing up to work, but missing a lot of time because they're getting sick all the time with COVID and or other other uh, illnesses. And, you know, what, what we're starting to realize is the vaccine uh, is causing uh, it, it destroys your uh, your immune system. So you can call it VADES, uh, vaccine acquired immune deficiency syndrome. That's what it is. And that's going to be uh, talked about more and more, I think, going forward. And you're saying that's reflected in the absence rates. And and I, I just shared with my audience from Die Welt, a German publication, talked about this with uh, uh, the, with the two, two TK and I forget the other one, two big German health insurance companies, their workforce. They had, again, you know, I don't know how many standard deviations above the norm, but it was a lot. Um, in terms of absence rates, that was noticed in Germany. So you're saying you have data in the U.S. on absence rates? Yeah, absence rates and work time lost. So it start, you know, the absence rate goes up, and then of course, with even, we're going to calculate the economic figure from work time lost because that that that's where you get the actual number, and it's it's eye it's eye popping. And uh, we, I'm not going to reveal what that number is until we discuss it, but it's big. And and, and again. I want people to understand that this just isn't like, oh, I didn't die, so I'm okay. Oh, I'm not disabled, so I'm okay. But if you're chronically kind of getting sick, you got issues, and it may lead to disability or death. So people need to be aware of what's going on. People need to uh, seek help from the frontline doctors who are working on protocols to detoxify oneself from this nightmare. Um, so there's hope. 
But right now, there's a huge swath of the population that has no clue as to what's going on. And the information that you and I are trying to get out has been suppressed. My book, while it's selling well, has not been debunked because it's, it's bulletproof. So they do what they did to Bobby Kennedy's real Anthony Fauci book. They ignore it. It's not talked about. It's not reviewed. Yep. It's basically being spread word of mouth. And when I get on a show like Tucker or Patrick Bet David or your show, you know, people become aware of it. But, you know, we still we got to get it out of the echo chamber. Cause unknown. And, and folks, you know, we talk about the Nuremberg trial, the anecdotes. This has a lot of this data in a lot of you are looking for information to arm yourself, your doctor or whatever, you know, um, institution you're fighting on on a given issue here. Cause unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths, 2021, 2022. Um, one of the things that I've talked about a lot on this show the last few months, and I wanted to get your insight to see if you have good data for us, is it seems like the trend is either continuing or getting worse, despite the fact that the uptake, you know, the last definitely few months, but really the last year is very, very limited. I mean, especially for people under 65, except for, you know, a couple of freaks, you know, no one's really getting it now. Um, it's, it's really slow to trickle. So you'd expect this to have stopped yet. It's continuing. Are you seeing, um, evidence that this is continuing? How much of it is, um, you know, from the original ones, the latent illnesses pop up. Um, how much of it is that it's a ticking time bomb and it's a delayed reaction and, and you're starting to actualize, the long-term death and illness um, divorced from just that kind of first 30 day window that we were experiencing in 2021. Yeah. So this is a concern of mine and I'm worried about it. Uh, The early uh, data is not good. I don't want to freak people out, but you know, I have whistleblowers in the insurance industry and a lot of what I talk about with excess deaths is focused on the society of actuaries because it's their numbers, not mine. And it's horrific. And the good news is we had that initial pull forward for the millennials, 84% rise of excess mortality into the third quarter of 2021. That came down because that was an event. That was a mandate event. And it was running around 23%, which is still horrific. Don't get, you know, I, we, we, we want to see this go back to zero. Um, and, and it was running at 23% this summer. Uh, and then in the third quarter is around 23%. I've not seen the fourth quarter numbers yet. Uh, well, they haven't published them. But I was shown the fourth quarter numbers from my whistleblower, and they broke it out month by month. They won't break that out in the report, but this person had, uh, you know, insight into the month by month, and it accelerated uh, October, uh, November, December, and it exited December at 43% excess mortality. And I'm being told January is worse than December and February is worse than January. Wait, so, even for young people? That's for millennials. For millennials, I mean, you're talking about people 30 years old, and again, there's 25 very, through 44, 25 through 44. 25 through yeah. 44. I mean, that age bracket, you got to believe there's very few people have gotten shots the last, you know, six to ten months or so. So again, that that is so, disturbing. Yeah, yeah. So what I think's going on is it's it's there's going to be seasonality attached to this because you know if if your immune system's been blown up and you go into the winter season in, in the Northeast or, you know, some of the winter areas and 
you're going to, you know, you're going to end up getting something else. It may not be COVID, but you, you know, and then you, uh, you, you suddenly drop dead or you, uh, you go into the hospital and you're dead. So there's going to be probably seasonality associated with this, but it's not good. And then the disability numbers are not coming down. There, there's the second derivative slowed for the overall general population, but for the employed, uh, that number hit a new high in December and is only slightly off from, uh, from there in January and February. And then this absence rate data and work time lost data, 2022, it accelerated up. So whatever's going on could be medium-term and long-term effects. And that, that, that really disturbs me, and that needs to be addressed, and we need to break this bubble of censorship so people can fix this. So what's disturbing me is that we live in a world of transgender castration. What I mean by that is that it used to be like you had the Occupy Wall Street crowd that, you know, was defecating on police cars. But then the people, you know, actually running financial institutions, investments that would make the world go around, that that would p- pump up the shots, that would or, or you have to have industries going along with it not to expose it. Like you're like, you know, you came along and made made a name for yourself based off of looking at this from the life insurance perspective, because they would have to cover this up because they would see it in a minute. You can't miss that. But now we have a problem with woke capital that you have the people defecating on the police cars mindset in the executive boardrooms running the show. So are they still what I don't understand is if I'm in the life insurance business and we've we've been talking about this for a year there's 50 ways from sunday of showing this how is it that the rates haven't gone up and they haven't exposed this by you know when when you came out and talked about this i would have thought by march 2023 by now this would have we would have blown the roof off of this and this would have been out in the in the open why is it not well so yeah that's that's an awesome point so what they've done in group life policies, which is what I've analyzed, they've raised prices. So their, 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 their financial results this last quarter are not that bad. But, you know, the claims, the individual numbers are still horrific. And I have insight into the psychology of these idiots. And I'm going to call them idiots. There are some brave insurance people trying to do what they can, but they're literally facing woke capitalism and cognitive dissonance. At, even at this point. Now, the good news is Josh Sterling, who um, was one of my early uh, helpers, uh, he worked at Stanford Bernstein, you know, number one II ranked insurance analyst on Wall Street. He's now um, formed the, the Coalition to Save Lives, and he's working with executives. But they, they, they're, still, they're still timid, and they're still in cognitive dissonance because a lot of these woke capitalists are in the boardroom and in the uh, C-suite. And, you know, just to give you an idea how stupid some of these financial leaders of ours are now, not just in the insurance industry, but the banking and Wall Street. You know, I live on Maui. On Friday, I'm at the beach and I run into someone who tells me, and I know this is fact certain, the CEO of uh, a Silicon Valley Bank was there with his wife in uh, November uh, doing, a, doing an ayahuasca trip to uh, find themselves. Well, they found themselves out of a job. So this is what we got going on. We got, we got in, insanity uh, in the boardroom. And 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 it and it's it's killing people. They can't even see it. So, but 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 how do they make that solvent? I, I don't know. When you're talking about eleven sigma events with with work loss, and that really is undergirded by the sudden deaths and um, injuries. So, at least on the sudden death side, 
how do you not have a big unnatural run? You know, it would be like one year you have a ton of hurricanes, right, with flood insurance or things like that. How How is it solvent? Well, so so group life is just one part of their business. They also have whole life, which are sold individually, which are much higher mm. um, face amounts. And the accounting on whole life is Byzantine. And the losses are going to come once they have to change their long-term mortality rate assumptions. They haven't done that yet because they, as an industry, still collectively think that we're going to trend back towards normal, and we're not. And once they start to realize that, that's when the accounting uh, losses start to come and the stocks get croaked. Now, Lincoln Financial has already experienced this. Their stock uh, is, is a disaster, and it's going to keep going lower. The chart looks really bad. And they experienced a like a 25% or you know, 15 to 20% drop in one day uh, a couple quarters ago when it was revealed that their uh, universal life, which is a hybrid of term and whole life, um, it's where you, you're, you, you, you're a Wall Street guy making $3 million a year. You don't want to get whole life, but you want some, you want some investment, but you, you, don't, you don't want term either. So it's kind of a hybrid, and you have the right to cancel the policy so should you accumulate enough money and stop paying. Well, guess what happened? They have, they have what's called uh, lapse rate assumptions. Those plummeted because uh, uh, morbidity leads mortality. So a lot of these individuals are getting sick and saying, geez, I'm glad I have this insurance policy. I'm not going to cancel it. So they took a huge bath mm. on, that pro- on that product. So it's coming, uh, uh, Daniel. It's coming. And, and, but, you know, they're in denial, and until they come to grips with the long-term mortality rate, and all it's going to take is one of the companies to do this, and then they'll all follow. But their stocks are, sh- are indicating trouble ahead. So the markets are figuring this out. What, 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 can you review just some of the top lines of the group insurance payouts and statistics you have from, from Josh Sterling and, and in the U.S. and others, just kind of the, the summary, because we've seen different tidbits here and there. Well, they took their financial hit last year. Uh, there were the, the loss ratios went up anywhere between 25 and 54 percent in the first and second quarters of 2022 because they were they had totally mispriced the risk. So, what did they all do as a group? Well, they just raised the hell out of prices, and so they've kind of fixed the group life. And you got to remember, group life is one to two extra your base salary. So it's a hit, and it's a great business for them. But you know, the whole life is where they're going to get absolutely slaughtered because lots of people have, you know, that are wealthy, have $5 million policies, $10 million policies. And if those people start dying uh, collectively at much earlier uh, uh, timeframes as, as to what they were, you know, when they priced the policy, and you got to remember the prices on those policies are already set. They can't raise the price on a whole life policy. Once you get it, that's, that's it. Mm. So, so this is where they're going to take their bath. So I want to move over a little bit from the life insurance part of Wall Street and financials to investors, Pfizer and Moderna. I don't understand how they could continue this racket, but continue they are. And they have endless other shots they're working on. They all have RSV versions. They have other stuff too. They're endless baby boosters. And and, and really, you know, 
the last time we spoke, we were still in the mass psychosis of the people. But most people really have woken up, and they're not getting this. They might not, not know quite how bad the shots are, but they know that there's something up, and it's certainly not necessary, and they're not getting them anymore. So typically, the market would dictate that you know the the COVID shots and even the broader mRNA agenda kind of you know goes up. Why why is this continuing financially? Is it just because they've earned so much money off the off the government that now they could keep it afloat from what they've earned the last two years? Well, Moderna stock went uh, had a nice run into the COVID uh, vaccine rollout, but that stock's down 70, 80% from its highs. Pfizer has more than one product. Obviously, Moderna's a one, a one product horse. Pfizer is down about 25% since uh, the beginning of the year. So it's becoming apparent to Wall Street. And again, you remember, Wall Street is like the rest, rest of, of uh, society. Most, most people on Wall Street stink at their job and they're hugging, <laughs> their index, hugging their indexes and clip big fat paychecks. It's starting to dawn on them that maybe something's going wrong. And so the stock is starting to lead. Uh, it went to a new low uh, this month and it's... Um, uh, it's becoming quite apparent to people that the, the, you know they went from 40 billion in revenues to 90 billion in one year. It's becoming apparent to people that uh, the uptake in boosters is abysmal. And yesterday it came out that um, the EU is looking at the contracts with Pfizer. They don't want any more vaccines. But you know you got to remember the uh, insanity. All these countries. Uh, Agreed to take the product even if they didn't want it. Pay, yeah. they, they had to pay for it, and and now they're now they're they're questioning that. So there's a lot of um, consternation on Wall Street yes. about about Pfizer's earnings. And I think I think eventually, once this all comes out, uh, someone on Wall Street in the summer of 2021 who uh, is a great investor. He's now I have to keep him kind of off the radar. He's he's now CEO of a biotech company, but he used to be involved in hedge fund. Uh, trading and was a great healthcare analyst. He said in the summer 2021, five, five, five years from now, Pfizer will be bankrupt for crimes against humanity. He said that in June of 2021. Well, the only thing right. I, I, I would just say that that's predicated on venture capitalism. But if you have venture socialism, so then, you know, the government could just come and dig, mock it and do what they want. I mean, I think part of this is what we saw with Novavax after they had to get rid of 200,000 vials because people didn't want it, the government now agreed to buy more from them. So, you know, the government's kind of like, you know, a kid trying to play a video game, but you could always pull out the plug. And, and that's kind of well, well, what the there, government is. The, the, there's two things, right? There's, there's, there's the cash flow and then there's the lawsuits. Once, once this, this gets out, and it will, uh, this guy predicted that Pfizer will be bankrupt in five years for crimes against, and I, I I'm, I'm on, I, and I think five years is ample time for that to happen. Now, I, timing of this, don't go out and buy puts and trade the thing. I don't know the timing, but I do think Pfizer is going to go the way of the dodo bird eventually. Wow, I, I really hope you're right. Um, zooming back here, you kind of put together, and again, folks, you could find the data at, at Finance Technologies with a ph at the beginning dot com, um, and and you have it all there. Your book Cause Unknown. Um, and, and this is a long conversation. We've covered it from several angles. The first thing they're going to do, and they already are, is they're saying, aha, you're right. We have a big problem. It's COVID is causing this, the, you know, the absence rate and the work time loss and, and all this stuff. 
what are some of the biggest points in the trend lines that that uh, basically exonerate that and point the finger at the shots? Well, the employed population is the one that's dying excessively and getting sick excessively. Not generally speaking, throughout all of our history, the employed are the healthiest amongst us because that makes sense. You get up in the morning, you're able to get to work. And those who can't or retired or old usually have worse health outcomes. That's all flipped since 21 and 22 and continues into 23. So I went before Senator Ron Johnson and said, we have a problem. The employed are dying more than the general population and getting sicker, uh, disabled more. Uh, that's never happened before. So what's going on? It's a national security issue. So there's no way they can get away from this and saying it's long COVID. It's, it, 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 it's specifically in, impacting those who, who took the shots that were employed. And because they mandated it, they really, that's how they really screwed themselves because it's in the data. If they hadn't mandated this, it would have been harder for me to make my case. But because they did, this is, this is unassailable in my estimation. Wow. No, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the only variable in the room to how you reverse a trend illogically that, you know, they go from being healthier to having, you know, more sudden deaths. Um, and, and that's reflected in the group life insurance plans. Uh, just to remain remaining three minutes here, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get your take on where we stand in the financial markets and in banking in terms of this, that Again, this is all a legacy of COVID fascism where they pumped uh, you know, anywhere from 8 to 10 trillion into the economy, you know, half of it fiscal, half of it the QE type of um, you know, buying up treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and the near zero interest rates and then causing insane inflation and then they had to raise it and didn't really curb inflation that much, but then now they're caught with the liquidity issues from those that overextended themselves on the near zero interest rates. And now they want to go back the other way and go back to buying up stuff, printing money and lowering interest rates. Where do you see the next six to 12 months in terms of the vicious cycle of bank solvency and inflation? So let's go back to 2019. We were having a a court, uh, uh, um, uh, not a coordinated, but a, a global economic slowdown that was happening all over. And there were, it was starting to show up in the uh, Fed overnight uh, repo crisis. And then mysteriously COVID comes along and gives the Fed and other central banks excuses to print unprecedented amounts of money. And so the system was saved and they kicked the can down the road for another two years. And here we are. And what's happened? Well, all you need to know is this M2 money supply went up 65 percent uh in 2021 from 2020 uh because or 2020 over 29 i forget but it doesn't matter it went up 65 percent as unprecedented amount of money printing now it's not the stock of money that's printed it's the flow the system needs constant flow and money money supply m2 did year over year negative growth starting in november this has only happened four other times in the history uh since 1868 the last time it happened was 1930. And every time money supply year-over-year growth goes below zero, uh, we have a financial panic. So this, this is inevitable. Uh, we're going to see bank run after bank run, and it's going to be whack-a-mole all the way down. This is beyond the control of the Fed, beyond the control of global governments. It is what it is. And we're going to see uh, 
increasing hysteria from the elites saying we need to do this, we need to do that. And we're going to see uh, we're going to be quickly going from inflationary talk to deflationary talk. But aren't yeah. they going to print more and lower interest rates more? How do you I mean, the, well, they are. They, they are. But that's they're, that's not going to that's not going to make a dent in the the, uh, the, the, the 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 die has been cast. It's been baked into the cake. Deflation's coming and, and they're going to cut interest rates. You have to remember, they did the, They started cutting interest rates in OO and we didn't bottom in, in uh, risk assets until O2. Same thing happened in the great financial crisis. They started cutting rates in 07 and we didn't bottom until 09. So this, they're way behind the curve. They're going to print money. They're going to cut interest rates and it isn't going to do squat. And we're going to, and, and until the bottom, this is this, the fed does not have control in this situation and short-term interest rates have gone below the discount rate. So the three month P bill for the first time in a long time is now trading below the discount rate, the Fed uh, discount rate. And, and that's the bond market saying ginormous economic recession or depression is coming and they're going to force the Fed's hand. It doesn't, the Fed, the Fed is, it's beyond their control. So, so it's interesting because I, I thought that we were headed into a vicious cycle of stagflation, but you feel that no, it, 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 the inflation will go down, but that will be reflected in a severe recession. Oh, I think financial assets are going to go down hard. Real estate prices, everything that's a risk asset is going lower. We could have stagflation in, in things that we need, like food. Uh, so that, that I don't discount. But as you know, uh, infl- uh, they don't count food and energy in the inflation numbers, yes. which is a joke. So we're going to, we're going to have a deflation in financial assets. Uh, a, a lot of other things. I mean, oil is going to go down because people are going to lose their jobs yes. and not, not drive to work. So the, all of that's going to go down. There may be some relief in food prices and energy prices, but the bottom line is they're going to stay stubbornly high. And those who have 401ks who lose their jobs and need to like tap their 401k to live are going to be freaking out because their 401k is going to go lower as well. Yeah, well, we already see that from last year with the market. Um, good times, good times, Ed. Life, liberty, property, humanity, it's well, all on the line. Um, well, look, look, there's hope. The system is at its end and it's going to change. The question is, do we get a seat at the table or do we have to yes. create a new table? Because I'm not going to be part of a system where there's uh, faceless bankers in a back room creating some new thing. I'm not, I'm not going to be and, part and of that. that's the thing. I want... I, I, I want I want the collapse because we're already collapsed. They collapsed us. This is the commemoration of, of 316. I want to collapse Correct. their system that attacked us, and then we can rebuild. What I don't want is this perpetual dynamic that they're able to stop just short where people rebel, and it's kind of like when you're choking on something, you can't spit it up, but you can't swallow it. I want to go one way or another so we can come to a resolution, and and that's hopefully where we are. We're certainly going to be calling upon you to educate us on some of the financial aspects of this headed forward. Again, cause unknown on Amazon or wherever you get books. The Epidemic of a Sudden Death. You can follow him at, at um, Doubt Edward on Twitter, financetechnologies.com. You could click on a tab there. It has all of the, the, the data. It is, you know, you put it all together. It's undeniable. Ed, thanks for coming out. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for being such a strong voice. And we look forward to having you back again. Thanks, Daniel. Great to uh, be on your show. And, uh, and everyone should buy your book as well. <laughs>
<laughs> well, yeah, well, book so, buying is is a big thing. Knowledge is power, and that's what we need. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge to cut through that censorship. Um, go get some sleep. You don't sleep enough there in Hawaii. You wake up too early. Um, we'll speak to you next time. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. I mean, there are so many different unique angles that you could prove the genocide, the timing of it, the type of people it has targeted. And it's enough that if, again, the shots were a human being on trial, you could convict someone criminally for it. But, of course, they're absolved of liability. And, boy, he's, he's, he's a smart voice. Interesting take on the economy, by the way, because I'm seeing a little bit more stagflation, but he's more knowledgeable than I am about this stuff. And, and he thinks it will we will have deflation, but a, basically a depression. But, yeah, I mean, stagflation on, on, on food and things like that. That's that's really the worst of all. That is all a legacy of the rise of the Fourth Reich and this very day. The biggest thing I can leave you with is this. A quote from our book, Rise of the Fourth Reich. The window for substantive pushback, a mass vaccination drive of human liberty against the pathogen of biomedical tyranny is open now, but it won't be open forever. We have that narrow window. It's not so much looking back. It's looking back helps understand where this came from and the motivations of it and how severe it is and the need to act now. But it's really about what are we going to do with it? There's still almost no desire to even deal with this. Obviously, Trump is out to lunch on this. Uh, We only have one governor and one senator really focused on this, couple of House members, and that's it. We need to push this, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, my list of 10, 10 most important legislative initiatives at a state level. Um, I'll come out with things at a federal level, but again, there's no chance of that passing, so I don't want that to become a straw man. Never forget. Never again. We will never forgive. We will never forget what they did to us. Game on, folks. It's time to take control of our life, our body, our liberty. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.